Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Democracy can be a fragile thing. This is Colleen Shaddix for the Yale Office of Public Affairs talking with Franco Gamboa, who's working hard to strengthen democracy in Bolivia. He serves as a special policy advisor to Bolivia's High Court of Electoral Affairs and is currently a World Fellow at Yale University. Tell me a little bit about what that title means. What's your role been in the upcoming constitutional vote? Well, uh, I have participated in the National Assembly uh, for 14 months uh, in between uh, 2006 and 2007. I was a United Nations representative before the National Assembly, so I've become very familiar not only with the political discussion, but also with the social movements and all the demands that uh, the indigenous movements also brought uh, to the assembly. So uh, the next step was to organize some uh, political negotiations between the the government and the opposition after uh, the assembly was finished because uh, the opposition was uh, completely opposed or, well, uh, didn't recognize that uh, the new constitution should be uh, positioned uh, favoring the social movements or indigenous communities in Bolivia. Mm -hmm. So my main task was to set up a table in which uh, the main political parties could discuss and smoothly try to uh, get some uh, agreements favoring the new constitution. So you paved the way to actually make it possible to have the vote? Well, I would say that uh, I facilitated some dialogues and, uh, of course, I have uh, struggled uh, trying to make the opposition see the new changes that the, this uh, National Assembly uh, was trying to design. But uh, I must say that uh, I feel uh, today uh, a little bit disappointed, uh, uh, not only because uh, the new constitution uh, was unable to solve the polarization in Bolivia, but also mm-hmm. because uh, the opposition... Uh, apparently did not want a reconciliation in Bolivia. And um, the government also tried to impose an, a hegemonic agenda in which uh, uh, Evo Morales uh, wanted uh, to be reelected indefinitely. Right. Apparently this uh, was a political strategy that uh, was not very clear during the National Assembly. However, afterwards, uh, when Evo Morales saw that the opposition uh, didn't want to accept uh, his uh, legitimized presidency and the new constitutional changes. Uh, he tried to mobilize the armed forces and, uh, of course, uh, went in public, uh, trying to convince the public opinion that uh, the only way to implement and uh, foresee future changes is by being re-elected indefinitely. And, of course, uh, I felt uh, very disappointed because uh, I witnessed the National Assembly, all the struggle in which uh, civil society tried to discuss openly the new reforms. But at the same time, I also witnessed how the opposition tried to hinder all the um, possibilities that uh, the democratic system was going to bring. And uh, one morning I woke up and (laughs) President Morales wanted to be reelected indefinitely trying to imitate uh, what uh, President Hugo Chavez uh, in Venezuela did. However, uh, it is uh, a contradiction because uh, uh, 
Hugo Chavez in Venezuela failed trying to uh, impose mm -hmm. this uh, constitutional provision in which uh, his uh, re-election uh, was going to be a fact. Uh, actually, uh, yesterday's uh, elections, uh, municipal elections in Venezuela also showed how important it is to uh, recognize that a coexistence between opposition and uh, the government uh, is the only, only game in town for democracy, and especially in those uh, very young regimes or fledging uh, political uh, democratic regimes that we have in, in, in the Andes, especially in Bolivia. Now, didn't President Morales, though, back off that position? Hasn't he promised to only run once more? Yes. Uh, at first, this was at first. Uh, okay, that's old news. Yes, yes. Uh, be, because uh, you know what, what happened between the approval of the constitutional uh, text mm -hmm. in December uh, 2007 and the referendum uh, for revoking uh, the mandate of uh, President Evo Morales uh, this year in August uh, 2008. Uh, President Morales was calculating. Uh, at first, he saw that the opposition was very strong. Mm -hmm. uh, he saw that uh, probably the new constitutional text was going to be uh, rejected. But then he uh, called uh, for a referendum. Uh, in this referendum, President Morales tried to convince that uh, the only way to implement those changes and overcoming poverty and satisfying the demands of the social movements mm -hmm. was uh, a legitimation uh, with uh, a new national uh, consultation. So the referendum uh, was accepted by the opposition uh, because some political parties uh, thought that uh, Evo Morales was going to be weakened right. uh, over the social conflicts, uh, social unrest, and especially the economic mismanagement that uh, Evo Morales uh, was doing. So uh, when uh, with the electoral court, uh, uh, we organized the referendum, uh, Evo Morales was again ratified by a landsli uh, landslide uh, victory. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he interpreted this uh, victory saying that uh, this is the time not only to uh, win with the constitutional uh, text, with the changes, but also with his uh, hegemonic uh, um, domination in uh, Bolivian politics. However, the, the opposition was not completely uh, subdued, so mm -hmm. to speak, because they uh, thought that uh, they could uh, reorganize the public opinion because uh, uh, in terms of uh, resistance, they uh, thought that uh, this uh, victory of uh, the President Evo Morales was uh, uh, just the first stage in a very long way uh, to destabilize the new uh, structure that uh, Evo Morales was trying to build. Mm -hmm. So the strategy uh, had two wings. Uh, on the one hand, uh, uh, of course, uh, Evo Morales won the, the referendum. But on the other hand, uh, public opinion was very exhausted of the social conflicts. And uh, they decided, 
I mean, uh, the whole uh, Bolivian people decided to ratify the president because this was the only uh, possibility to uh, reestablish order mm -hmm. and uh, reconciliation. But, uh, you know, in politics, uh, probably it's not important what the public opinion say, but rather what are the uh, stakes for the opposition parties and, of course, for the government. So finally, uh, Evo Morales was uh, more self-confident. He called the armed forces to um, restrain any kind of uh, opposition mm -hmm. uh, in those regions that uh, didn't want to recognize uh, presidential legitimacy. And finally, he uh, declared a state of siege or emergency in the northern part of Bolivia. So uh, the armed forces, uh, of course, um, reestablished uh, order because of the social unrest and conflicts. However, uh, Evo Morales uh, is trying to understand this uh, new landscape in which uh, he must impose not only what is the uh, contact, co content of the new constitutional reform, but uh, what is his uh, long-term hegemonic uh, alternative for the Andes. At the same time, I think uh, Evo Morales is trying to uh, rely on the support, international support coming from Nicaragua, Ecuador, mm -hmm. and Venezuela. However, I think uh, he is uh, still uh, lacking of uh, economic policy in which um, the challenges for overcoming poverty, the democratization of wealth uh, mm -hmm. is still something, uh, you know, um, uncompleted. And uh, I think uh, Evo Morales is uh, leaning only on his political agenda mm -hmm. and he has neglected uh, his economic agenda. Now, the new constitution does propose really sweeping changes in the rights of indigenous people and how national resources are um, distributed. Do you expect that long term it will stabilize or destabilize? Uh, I'm a little bit skeptical about uh, what the government is going to get uh, uh, in the end, mm -hmm. because, uh, of course, uh, Evo Morales is not uh, Hugo Chavez. Bolivia is a very poor country. We don't have uh, enough oil to exert uh, uh, pressure and uh, be very strong in the uh, energy market in South America or the Americas in general. But we you have, have a very important gas. yeah. We have a very important uh, uh, reservoir, reservoir of uh, natural gas, but uh, it's not as important as in the past mm -hmm. because Peru is also a very important player in the market energy in South America. In the region called Camisea, uh, Peru has become much stronger the last five years. The direct foreign investment is coming to Camisea, and uh, in Bolivia, uh, we are not uh, receiving any international support for new explorations and, of course, the exploitation of our natural gas. Mm -hmm. We have uh, commitments with uh, Brazil and Argentina, but we are unable to comply those contracts because the uh, foreign direct investment has dropped to zero. Um, so that's a, a very important uh, hurdle mm -hmm. that uh, Evo Morales uh, 
could not uh, overcome the last uh, uh, three years since he became president. And uh, the social movements, the indigenous communities, uh, are hoping that uh, the new changes uh, will uh, be implemented immediately. They don't want to uh, wait uh, for uh, a, a long-term implementation or progressive uh, uh, implementation of new policies. They want rapid access to resources. They want to manage directly through autonomous indigenous governments in Bolivia. That's uh, something that uh, Evo Morales offered them since the campaign in 2005. Mm -hmm. But finally, um, the president, Evo Morales, is not sure what kind of attributions he's going to transfer to indigenous uh, autonomous governments or what kind of attributions he's going to uh, convey to regional governments. That is not very clear. Everything mm -hmm. is just a promise. Yeah. And probably this is going to represent uh, a new inefficiency inefficiency for the whole structure of the government. So uh, my expectations are skeptical. However, I keep hope in which uh, uh, civil, society, uh, civil society organizations and especially the media mm -hmm. should discuss openly our advantages and disadvantages. The only way I think uh, so far to preserve stability, political stability, is the defense of public opinion, mm -hmm. the defense of the media, the defense of public discussions. Because uh, if uh, Evo Morales is going to insist in his uh, hegemonic uh, uh, project uh, uh, for the next uh, five or ten years, of course uh, the opposition should not be only restricted to political parties or institutional uh, set, uh, setups like the, the Congress or the judiciary. Mm -hmm. The opposition also should represent the public opinion, the, the public sphere in which different kind of organizations, student organizations, uh, professional organizations, peasant unions, uh, teacher unions um, must uh, recognize that uh, they have uh, to wait, they have to sacrifice themselves mm -hmm. in order to get or harvest the uh, good benefits in the future for the next generations. However, uh, poverty is rampant, mm -hmm. the rate of unemployment is increasing, and that is why uh, most of uh, the social movements that uh, the last five years have supported Evo Morales want to uh, benefit immediately mm -hmm. with uh, resources and, of course, with money. And uh, to some extent, uh, what has done Evo Morales is to distribute some checks that uh, came from uh, Venezuela. Uh, Hugo, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela uh, promised to, to support politically and internationally the regime of Evo Morales, giving him some loans with free access to some checks so Evo Morales distributed uh, those checks, especially in local governments. Mm -hmm. But this is not enough because uh, the government lacks uh, a new set of policies in which everything should be managed, controlled, and deliver not only services for the poor, but also uh, an efficient structure in which uh, the new public administration 
should uh, restore uh, transparency, credibility, and efficacy. You know, at least from the outside, it seems that Bolivia is a very polarized place in terms of ethnic groups, in terms of economic class. Is there a way to get the Bolivian people to see a common interest, a common cause to work together toward, to make the kinds of long-term sacrifices you're talking about? Mm -hmm. uh, this is very difficult. I think uh, that uh, for the next uh, two or five years, I don't see any possibility of immediate uh, uh, reunion, mm -hmm. so to speak. Uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, Evo Morales, Hugo Chavez, and Rafael Correa uh, tried to uh, design a new anti-imperialist agenda in South America and in the Americas. Uh, all those countries will be polarized mm -hmm. because this is the only way to show the United States and the free trade agreements that uh, there are some countries that are going to resist. And the only uh, apparently plan to resist those uh, influences from the U.S. is uh, showing multiple polar polarizations. Because polarization is not a, a sign of the uh, weak democracy in Bolivia. Polarization you will find in Ecuador, Paraguay, certainly Venezuela. Uh, what we are seeing uh, in Nicaragua is uh, very uh, impressive uh, because uh, the same structure in which uh, the hegemonic plan uh, President uh, Daniel Ortega is trying to impose, impose we are seeing in Ecuador, uh, Bolivia, and, and Venezuela. So uh, these multiple polarizations apparently is the new strategy of the uh, socialism, socialism for the 21st century. The new polarization apparently is the capstone of the new left in South America. Mm -hmm. The new left, uh, of course, um, uh, uh, is not able anymore to resort to the Cold War uh, speech or uh, ideology. Uh, the new left is going to resort to polarization between the rich and the poor the polarization between uh, more government and state in intervention vis-a-vis -vis the free trade of the agreement uh, free trade agreements that are coming from from the US and NAFTA so uh, uh, i think uh, that uh, we should analyze uh, the the situation in bolivia in a in a more regional context mm -hmm. in which uh, latin america definitely is uh, the continent in which uh, uh, the failure of the market uh, Oriented, uh, oriented policies and the failure of uh, the Washington consensus uh, is changing the direction toward more polarization, toward more radical social movements, and apparently uh, this has weakened the roots of the liberal democracy that, that in the past uh, the Americas was trying to push forward. Now, as you said, there's a lot of anti-Washington rhetoric. Certainly, relations have been chilly. It seems to some extent that there's personal bad relations between Presidents Morales and Bush. Um, he has said that as the first indigenous person elected in Bolivia, he feels a certain kinship to Barack Obama. Do you think that's rhetoric? Do you think a, a better personal relationship can overcome all these political and economic factors? Yes, and this is very, very difficult, not only for the Americas, but also for the new regime of uh, President-elect Barack Obama. Uh, 
I think uh, we should celebrate uh, this historical moment in which Barack Obama was elected president of the United States. We all uh, acknowledge that uh, this is a crucial mo moment uh, and a crucial uh, uh, stage in which uh, everybody is ex expecting the best changes for our own well-being in the Americas. Mm -hmm. However, I'm also a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, pessimistic about uh, what is going to be the, the priorities in the international context of President uh, Barack Obama. Latin America does not represent anymore a threat for uh, national security mm -hmm. uh, in the United States. Unless we uh, concentrate the attention over the war on drugs. Mm -hmm. Narcotrafficking is very important. Uh, so uh, I think uh, the policies uh, regarding the reduction of coca production should be changed. Uh, in the case of Evo, Evo Morales, he, sh he should reconstruct the relationship with the United States by um, allowing uh, international cooperation. Which he's pretty much said he wouldn't do. Uh, he wouldn't do because I think the main mistake that Evo Morales has made was uh, the um, very drastic, you know, uh, attitude against the U.S. regime. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, Evo Morales misunderst misunderstood what are the uh, international contexts in which the war on drugs uh, has been implemented the last 20 years. It is very important that we have a, a strategic balance between opposition toward the United States, but at the same time, we have to keep open the door in order to receive international cooperation and satisfy other negotiations with the European Union. Mm -hmm. In the case of Bolivia, Evo Morales thought that expelling the U.S. ambassador was uh, a very important uh, part of the new international policy against the war on drugs. And, of course, he oriented his good intentions toward the cooperation of the European Union. But the European Union uh, told Evo Morales that... Uh, a good relationship with the United States should be repositioned. Mm -hmm. So uh, Evo Morales, of course, uh, uh, has lost the momentum to reconstruct the relationship with the United States. I think the rhetoric recognizing and celebrating uh, the election of uh, President-elect uh, Barack Obama uh, is hiding the lack of new strategy uh, Evo Morales uh, is, is showing. Mm. He, he doesn't have, ha probably he is trying to understand what will be the next movements uh, in, the, in the next uh, 12 months or in the, in the next two years. But, uh, you know, the damage has been made. Uh, he shouldn't have expelled uh, drastically the U.S. ambassador. Uh, I visited Washington DC two weeks ago, and it's very sad uh, to see 
that uh, congressmen either from the Republican Party or the Democratic Party um, are not looking at Bolivia as a trustworthy party. Mm -hmm. So that that is, of course, a, 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 a very important problem to be solved immediately. But I wonder how is going to uh, how Evo Morales is going to behave, uh, especially regarding the uh, narco trafficking. Uh, if we analyze the situation of Mexico and Colombia, mm -hmm. uh, probably the landscape is much more clear because <clears throat> uh, Plan Merida to uh, stop corruption and violence in Mexico is highly needed. So apparently the new administration of Barack Obama is going to put uh, a very important attention uh, regarding uh, Plan Merida in Mexico. Plan Colombia is going to be a second stage uh, program. Apparently, Plan Colombia the last eight years has been very well uh, managed. It has been a successful uh, weakening insurgents of FARC in, in mm -hmm. Colombia, but uh, nar narco-trafficking is still rampant. And the business between Colombia and Mexico uh, has uh, created uh, a very important bridge and solidify this uh, illegal uh, business. So uh, the international concern should be uh, or should address uh, Plan Merida between Col uh, Mexico and, of course, in second stage Colombia. But beyond that, we, we don't have some other, you know, um, attraction for the, for the international mm -hmm. uh, policy agenda in the United States. Uh, however, uh, we should be clear that uh, the United States is strategic for Latin America and, of course, Latin America should be strategic for the United States in terms of rebuilding international image of the United States. Mm -hmm. So uh, if we are successful repositioning this agenda and reconstructing the relationship between Latin America and the United States, probably we will be able to understand more clearly the priorities and necessities regarding not international uh, discussion about uh, uh, threats to national security, but the the concentration on human development, overcoming poverty, and the strengthening of the Americas vis-a-vis -vis the European Union and Africa. Mm -hmm. I think this is also a very important momentum in which Barack Obama should uh, deploy all uh, his expectations and hopes, uh, delivering progress for the whole Americas. This is also a, a good momentum to show the world that the strategic and very important leadership of the United States is also to bring on board the whole Latin American region and uh, in the future, uh, of course, be separated from this uh, hostile and uh, military approach to international relations uh, like those in the Middle East and of course in Iraq. 
Now, your World Fellows experience is coming to an end. Tell me a little bit about what you'll be taking home with you, what, what you've learned. Uh, well, I've been thinking of this uh, the last, uh, I think, uh, two weeks, and I am very satisfied. I am very honored to be here, to have this possibility to discuss different global agendas. Because <clears throat> what is clear to me is that there is no one only or unique global agenda. Uh, and this global agenda is very heterogeneous. The priorities, necessities, hopes, expectations are different from me coming from the Americas, coming from Latin America, than those expectations from my fellows from Pakistan, Afghanistan, Ghana, or Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So I have understood that uh, it is highly critical today that uh, we recognize heterogeneity in the world. It is also very important, humanely important, that we have to live together, uh, recognizing that uh, the way we understand the world and the way we see ourselves in the world uh, is different because of uh, not only different cultures, but different religious approaches to culture. Mm -hmm. Being Catholic, like me, of course, it is important, but it's different uh, uh, from being uh, Muslim. So uh, my experience here uh, was very important, uh, understanding that uh, religion is crucial to promote changes because mm -hmm. religion uh, gives us a, a set of uh, ethical values and as a result a specific uh, way of being and behavior. And uh, if we compare this situation with uh, what the World Fellows have been discussing, we, I think, came up with the idea that uh, tolerance and mutual understanding of course, uh, uh, is highly connected with uh, a respectful behavior regarding religion, a respectful behavior regard regarding uh, a set of uh, ethical values. And this is very important for me because mm -hmm. in the past, uh, I was unsure how influential uh, was religion in my political and ideological stance. Today, uh, I am certain that uh, religion plays a very important role, but also uh, this peaceful coexistence in which my religion is not the unique priority or the, uh, the most valuable in the Americas. Mm -hmm. I have to understand that there are other set of values also fostered by religion beliefs, in this case, uh, uh, Islamic beliefs. And behind that, we find a specific set of values and people that are highly committed, not only with their cultures, but all, also with their religion beliefs, religious beliefs. So uh, this has been very, very uh, uh, 
definitely very important for, for, for my experience here, here at Yale. And of course, I have been very impressed with all the resources that you have here in terms of uh, faculty, uh, libraries, I mean, uh, resources everywhere you, 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 you go here at Yale, you, you find excellent resources. But the challenge is how Yale and the university community is going to use those resources to recognize international solidarity. Mm -hmm. A lot of countries, people, civil, civil society organizations probably want to benefit, just like me, uh, from uh, this unique opportunity that this kind of uh, global universities have, uh, especially here at Yale. Thank you. That was Franco Gamboa, who is part of Yale's World Fellows Program for Emerging Leaders Around the Globe. For more information, please visit yale.edu slash worldfellows.